You know, we've all had difficulties in our life where at the time we see things as a complete disaster. But over time, some of us may be able to realize that there are some valuable lessons to be learned. And if we're lucky, we can even turn those tragedies into a blessing. And in this verse, the Guru is showing us how if we change our perspective, we can completely transform our life. Verse 36 begins with, O eyes of mine, within you Hari infused its light. See no other except Hari. See no other except Hari and only gaze upon Hari, the divine who sees all that is seen. This whole world you see is the form of Hari. The divine's form is what you are seeing. By Guru's grace I understand then, wherever I look, I see Divine Oneness. There is no other than Hari. Says Nanak, these eyes were blind. Meeting the true Guru, my vision became brighter. Many years ago, when I began to learn different meditation techniques, the very first one that I learned was called a body scan. And what you do with a body scan is, if you have a very stressed mind, if you are constantly thinking about your problems, what you do is you just bring your awareness to different parts of your body. You may start with your toes and your feet, and then you just move your awareness from different parts. And what it does is it begins to train you to not think about your problems, to just keep some attention away from those problems, and it just allows you to regulate that stress. And in a way, what we're seeing the Guru doing with these verses of Anansaib is also a type of body scan. But rather than just relieving stress, what Guru is trying to do is to reprogram how we use those body parts. The Guru started in an earlier verse by looking at the tongue, and then it talked about the sarir, the body, and it's constantly referencing the mind. And in this verse, the Guru is talking to the eyes, and then in the next verse, the Guru is going to be talking to the ears. So what is the Guru doing? The Guru is actually addressing all the different senses, all of our various senses with which we interact with the world. And the, the Guru is trying to say, let us reflect on how we use these senses. Let's rewire how we understand our senses and then how we engage with the world. And so the language of this verse actually mirrors the sentence structure of verse 33. If you remember, we said in verse 33, O body of mine, within you Hari infused its light, and then you came into this world. And so in verse 33, what the Guru was asking was, where is your aliveness coming from? The very light that keeps you alive. What is that source? What is that life source? What is that universal Hari that is keeping you alive? And in verse 36, the Guru is using the same structure to now look at what is the light that allows you to see and what is the world that you're looking at. And so the language is very similar. And here the Guru starts by saying, e netreho mereho, har tari, har bin avarna dekho koi. O eyes of mine, within you Hari infused its light. See no other except Hari. So the Guru is now asking us to think about this ability that you have to see, what is that? What is the thing that is switched on within you? What is the light 
that is switched on within you that gives you that power to see. And then the other part of the question is, and what are you looking at? So there's two parts. What is looking and what are you looking at? And the answer that the Guru is giving is both of them. The watcher and that being viewed are both that divine Hari, that divine oneness. So the Guru is talking to the eyes, but the eyes are really a symbol for us to change our understanding of ourselves, to look at ourselves with new eyes. And the Guru starts by asking, let us reflect on what is it that you can see. The very fact that you can see means that there is the seeing ability within you. There is this light of life within you. Now just think about this for a moment. Your eyes are always seeing something. They're always watching. You actually can't turn this thing off. Now you might think that I can close my eyelids, but even when you close your eyes, your eyes are still seeing something. So you have this power that is switched on inside you that you're not even able to switch off. It's just there constantly all the time. But the question the Guru is asking is, can you see that power? Can you see that force that is allowing you to see itself? Can you recognize it? And the Guru goes on to say, Harbin avarna dekho koi nadri har See no other except Hari and only gaze upon Hari, the divine who sees all that is seen. Can you recognize that the one that is looking is that oneness? And what you're looking at is, is Hari. And it says, Nadri Har Nihalia. The divine is the one looking at the divine. The looker is looking at itself. And so this is where this light that we talk about, this aliveness that we've talked about, it's always within you. It's always there. But it's something that's been given to you. And eventually, this light is going to be taken out of you. Eventually, this aliveness, power, life energy is going to be taken out from you. So you have to now use this lifetime, this body, your time here on earth to recognize what am I? What am I really? What is this? So the Guru is always trying to break your illusion of yourself. The Guru is always trying to make you realize whatever you think you have, none of it is yours. All of this is not mine. And this is not how we live our life. We live most of our life from the perspective of me, thinking about all the things that are mine. And what do we mean by things that are mine? When something is mine, what we mean is that it belongs to us. And if it belongs to us, then it is in our control. And our whole mindset is around what is in our control? What am I doing with my life? What are the things that I can control? And what are the things that I can't control? How do I influence them? How do I change that so I can control more? But we rarely ask this really important question, what's controlling me? What's controlling these eyes and their ability to see? It's certainly not me. I wake up in the morning and my eyes are open and the, the looking just begins. It's not something that I have to switch on. So who's controlling that? And this is where Guru has always tried to remind us that there's this underlying life force that is within you, call it nature, call it hukam, call it a higher power. There is something that is 
underlying, underneath you that is controlling you, controlling everything. Just think about your body. Think about how much of your body you actually have in, in control. Your aging, nature is controlling that. Your breathing is being controlled by nature. Your heartbeat, your senses and even your thinking is not within your own control. And so what the Guru is trying to do is to say, understand that there is a life force that is powering this machine called the human body. And the same life force that's within you is also within everything else. So recognize that you and everything else come from the same one source itself. Don't look at everyone else as something other. Don't look at it as something that is different to you, something else. The Guru is saying this is so important. And now what we have to ask ourselves is, why is this perspective so important to achieve peace? Remember, Anand Sahib is all about how do I achieve peace in life, which is what all human beings are looking for, what we're striving for. So why is this way of looking at everything through this single eye, this one eye, this eye of oneness, why is that so important to achieve peace? The biggest factor that stops you from achieving peace is your attachments. And the Guru is constantly trying to break your attachments. And by giving you this perspective that nothing is yours, this body isn't yours, it's not being powered by you, the universe around you is all part of that same thing. What the Guru is starting to do is to break your attachment to yourself, break your bond to the idea of me, break your bonds and your attachments to everything else all around you. All the things that you like, all the things that you dislike, all the things that you say, this is definitely mine, these things are not mine, I don't want these things in my life. And the Guru is trying to introduce to you a neutral mind, one that does not go through these ups and downs of haves and don't haves, of wants, desires, needs, greed, attachment, these are mine, these are not mine, these are things I like, these are things I don't like. These opposites, the Guru is saying, that is not the way to look at life. That's not the way to achieve peace. And so the Guru wants you to break your attachments and more importantly, break your trishana. This is a word that we've heard time and time again, your desires. Because our eyes spend so much time desiring things. We look around at the world and we think, that's nice. I, I wish I had that. Or look how beautiful that is. We lust after so many different things. And the Guru is saying, let us just reframe how you look at things. If you look at everything as this one form, this divine form, everything is the divine in different shapes, then it means that you are also that oneness, divine nature, life force, call it what you want. You are part of that. Your body is that same thing. And as soon as you realize that you are part of this oneness, I'm going to call it a oneness because there's so many different ways that we can talk about it. But Gurbani uses this word Hari. When you recognize that your body is oneness in this particular shape and everything else is oneness in other particular shapes, then you realize something very crucial to attaining peace. You already have it. Oneness you already have, it's already a part of you and everything all around you is also oneness and as soon as you see life in that way, you realize 
I can't ask for something that I already have. So rather than looking at things as different, when you look at everything as different, then you can want more things because you think, I don't have that. I have this, but I don't have that. And the Guru is saying, you have oneness and you're looking at oneness. As soon as you do that, you realize, I have oneness already. I can't want what I already have. And this is this huge barrier to finding peace in your life. And the Guru is saying that your way of looking at the world is through this lens of desire. I want all these different things. You have this lens of differentiating everything. And the Guru is saying, if I take that lens off and I give you a new lens, the lens of oneness, when you look through the eyes of oneness, then you can't want what you already have. And so we're constantly desiring things. That's not how we look at life. We always want something new, new clothes, new possessions. We want what other people have. We want better bodies. We want other people's bodies. We're always looking for other things. And that's because we are constantly looking at life as though there are lots of other things around. I am here and everything else is the other. Everything else is different to me. And the Guru is saying, Har bin avarna de kokoi. It's reprogramming the eyes every day. It's saying, don't look at it in this way. Look at it through oneness. See no other except Hari. Don't look at it in any other way. The Guru goes on to say, Eh vis sansar tum dekhde, eh har ka roop hai, har roop nadri aya. This whole world you see is the form of Hari. The Divine's form is what you are seeing. Look at the number of times the Guru is just repeating the same message. You are looking at Hari. Everything that you're looking at is Hari. There's a really interesting word here that's been used, which is Vis. It comes from the word Vishva, which means the whole. And there's a beautiful part of the Bhagavad Gita, for those of you who are familiar with it, Chapter 11 is all about this Vishwarup, this whole form. And I'll just quickly go through what the overall story of the Bhagavad Gita is in order to understand how it fits into what we're talking about here. The Bhagavad Gita is essentially the story of this prince called Arjun. And Arjun is standing at the battlefield with his army. He's ready to start a battle. But the people on the other side of the, the battle, the opposite army, are made up of also his family members. They are his cousins, even his teacher is standing on the other side of the battlefield. And Arjun is in crisis. He doesn't know, how can I begin a battle with the people who are my own blood, who are the people that I've looked up to, who are the people that I admire. I can't go forward. And the whole of the Bhagavad Gita is the... Krishna's advice to Arjun about how do you accept life? How do you begin to understand your duty in life? How do you understand life and death? And Krishna's advice to him is constantly asking him to reframe his thinking. And at one point in chapter 11, Krishna is realized to be a, this divine being. And Arjuna asks him, I want to see your whole form. I know that you are the, 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 the divine Lord of the entire universe, and I know this is not your whole form. I want to see your Vishwarup. I want to see your entire form. And Krishna's response is, if you want to see who I really am, you can't use your physical eyes. You need to have divine eyes in order to be able to see. 
And Krishna blesses Arjun with the vision of what he really is, his entire form. And Arjuna recognizes that what I've been looking at is a very limited form of Lord Krishna. In fact, Krishna is the entire universe itself. And Krishna reveals himself to have millions of eyes and millions of faces and millions of mouths. And Krishna has all the characteristics that you can see in the world. Krishna is ultimate kindness, but is also ultimate ferociousness. Krishna is in all places and encompasses all animals, all creatures. And what Arjuna sees is what he needs in order to break his dualistic thinking, in order for him to understand everything is Krishna. And when he understands everything is Krishna, it's the perspective that he needs in order to fight this battle, in order to understand this is life playing itself out. This is Krishna playing itself out in all the different roles. And so where this comes back to is this Vishwarup, this whole form, seeing the complete vision of the divine itself. And we have something very similar in the Sohila, which is a short evening verse that's read by everyone just before you go to sleep. Everyone who follows the Sikh tradition reads this passage out as a way of reminding themselves. And, and, and we have some very similar lines which talk about this. In Guru Nanak's verse called the Arti in Sohila, Guru Nanak says, Sehastav nan nananan hai tohe ko, murat nana ek tohi. You have thousands of eyes and yet you have no eyes. You have thousands of forms and yet you do not have even one. You have thousands of lotus feet, and yet you do not have even one foot. You have no nose, but you have a thousand noses. This play of yours entrances me. Amongst all is the light. You are that light. This de chanan sab me chanan hoi. And your illuminating light is what is radiating with all. Now the key question is how do we see this? And we get the answer to that in the next line. Gur Sakhi Jyot Pargat Hoy. Through the Guru's teachings, the light becomes manifest. We begin to realize this light. We begin to understand what is this light itself. So this raises an interesting question here. What we're being told in this verse and the verse that we've read in the Sohila and even in the story of the Bhagavad Gita of chapter 11. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, is there a difference between the divine and the divine form? Is the divine the same as the divine form? Is everything God? And this is such an important question and, and those who have heard my lectures on oneness will sometimes come across this question. You'll sometimes be faced with this dilemma. How can everything be God? And this is a really important question also that comes from the monotheistic tradition. When these ideas of very Indian ancient spirituality come in to the modern world, we are faced with these questions, especially from followers of monotheistic spiritual traditions like Christianity and Islam. And they say, well, there is only one God and God is not related to the world. God is not part of this creation. God is the creator, but God is a very distinct and separate entity from creation.
And so how do we reconcile these two? And what we need to understand is what is being presented here and what is the reason why it's being presented here. We need to understand that there is this dichotomy between these two. There is this oneness that is separate from everything, but it's in everything at the same time. How do we understand that? What we understand is that the form is constantly changing. So there is something that's always being born and dying. And this is where the monotheistic traditions say, this is why everything can't be God. This is why we can't be God. Because God is never born and never dies. So how can we be, be God? Because we are born and we die. So we need to understand that there are two layers here. There is this unchanging layer, and then there is the changing layer. The changing layer is everything that you see around you. Form is constantly changing, but the essence is never changing itself. And so where we get this, even in the Mulmat there, we have this term, Akal Murat, this undying form. It is this ultimate oneness, this form that can never change and never be modified in any way, never gets more or less. There's this oneness that's everywhere. But it also has a physical form. Within the Sikh tradition, we talk about the divine being Nirgun and Sargun. It is both. It is formless with no attributes, no one thing that you can say it is like this or it is like that. You can't put any characteristic. It has no characteristics. And it is also Sargun. It is all characteristics. And so when we begin to understand that there are two layers here, then we can appreciate that what we're looking at is not the ultimate form of the divine. It is the changing form of the divine. And we also act in the same way. Think about it. Nobody would argue that when I was a child, I was somebody different. What we would say is when I was a child, it was still me, but my form was different. My body has changed, but I am the same. And we, we have this understanding of ourselves at two layers. I used to be like this, and now my shape is like this, my form is like this, but the me is the constant. That's always there. Even my ideas may change, but there's still a constant me. There's still a constant aliveness that's been there throughout the entirety of my life journey from childhood, there's this one essence, this aliveness that's the same. And so the Guru wants to try to make you to understand all of life in the same way. Think about what, what the Guru is doing here. The Guru doesn't want you to limit the form of God, the form of divinity, the form of oneness. The Guru doesn't want you to place any limit on it. And those who say that God cannot be part of the universe. What they're doing is they're placing a limit. And what the Guru is saying is, it is beyond our understanding. Who are we to say that it is not here? It is here in every place, and it is completely distinct from it as well. So the Guru doesn't want you to limit God to only be something that lives in a particular place. If we say that God is not here, then it allows us to act with life in a different way. It allows us to treat others in a different way. Because if we say, you are definitely not God, then I can treat you however I want. And I can still pray to a God that's somewhere far away. But the Guru is saying, I want to not only transform your thinking, I also want to transform how you live in the world. 
how you engage with others in the world, how you interact with things. And the Guru is saying the way to do that is to understand and see God in everything. See oneness in everything. And once you see oneness in everything, then how you interact with everything changes. Guru doesn't want you to limit God to a particular place or to a particular shape or only being something that, that, that came in one particular prophet or a guru. And you can say that, you know, that person was God or that was the messenger of God or that person was the son of God, but I'm not. I'm not the same. And the Guru is saying, that's not the right way to look at life. That's not the right way to understand. The right way to understand is that it is everywhere. It's in everything. Why would you want to limit your interaction with God as only being someone who can, who you can speak to in one particular way? The Guru is saying, speak to God everywhere. God is in every single thing. If you need a form, some spiritual traditions worship God through a form. They take a murti, an idol, and they, 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 they need that form. Some people, even if we looked at the Bhagavad Gita, they, they worship the, 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 the form of Krishna, the shape, the color, the beauty of his face, the radiance in his eyes. So they look at a particular form. And the Guru is saying, if you need a particular form, then everything is God's form. Don't limit yourself to only having Krishna in one particular form. Have Krishna in every single form. And that's essentially what the Bhagavad Gita is saying. I am everywhere. I'm in everything. See me everywhere. Don't just see me in one limited way. So the question you have to ask is, if I want to look at God, where should I look? The Guru is saying, look all around you. In fact, where are you not looking at God? Everything is Harkarup. And more importantly, even the one looking is looking is God. God is looking at God. Oneness is looking at oneness itself. Take the example for those of you from the Sikh tradition who are familiar with the stories of Guru Nanak. One of the most famous stories of Guru Nanak is that he traveled to Mecca. And when he came to the holy city, he decided to lie down and rest. And outside the holy city, he lied down and he pointed his feet towards Mecca, towards Kaaba, the holiest place within the Islamic tradition. Guru Nanak pointed his feet there. And of course, people were offended. People came up to him and very rudely spoke to Guru Nanak and said, why are you pointing your feet to the house of God? And Guru Nanak in all his wisdom said, sorry, this is my mistake. Please point my feet where God isn't there. And the story is that this person came and they, they moved Guru Nanak's feet. And as soon as they moved Guru Nanak's feet, they turned around and Mecca was there. And they moved Guru Nanak's feet a different place and Mecca was also there. And everywhere they moved Guru Nanak's feet, Mecca was there. But what it really means was Guru Nanak was educating people. Don't limit God to one person, one form, one shape or one place. God is everywhere, in every place, in everything. And so we need to understand that where we have suffered in life, remember this is all to do with peace, where we've suffered in life is because we've not understood how to look. Because we see life as this big challenge and then we go on a spiritual journey and we're trying to look for God. We're escaping life and looking for God somewhere else. It's like a fish that is looking for water, but is swimming around trying to find water and doesn't know what water looks like, doesn't know where to look. Everything is part of that oneness. So don't be attached to anything. Don't be attached to one particular thing. Don't worship God in one particular form. 
recognize it in every single place. Because remember that everything that has been created can be destroyed. And one of the, 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 the most important lessons that the Guru teaches is nothing that can be created or destroyed is worthy of your worship. So don't think that if everything is God, then I can worship everything. I, I need to fall in love with absolutely everything and that becomes the, the, the form because then you're not recognizing that the ultimate form is nirgun. The ultimate doesn't really have any form. The ultimate essence is beyond it. The ultimate part of you is not this. As long as your understanding is limited to shapes and forms, limited to the physical material world, then your understanding of yourself also remains material. And the Guru wants you to understand your understanding of yourself needs to change. Who you are needs to change, needs to realize and awaken to what you really are. So we can summarize this as trying to always prioritize such. The word such meaning permanence. And so many times when you learn about even the Sikh tradition, you might come across this idea that Sikhi or Sikhism is a monotheistic tradition. And this is absolutely not true. And we can see this in the Guru's words itself. The better word to describe Sikhi, Sikh spirituality, the Guru's wisdom is panentheism. And I know sometimes when we talk about these terms, it becomes a little bit technical and it might go over some, some people's heads. And I, I try to simplify it as much as possible. The idea of monotheism is that there is mono, one, theism, which is the, the, the worship of, of a divine being. One divine. But that one divine is in one place. It is in one place or it is one essence that is not in every space, is not everywhere. It is removed from its creation. It is the creator and everything that it has created is temporary, but it is something that is different from, from this creation. And we can see that that's absolutely true. We can understand that now, that that is absolutely true. But the Guru is bringing in a layer of, it is separate, but it's also in everything. It's at the root of everything. Don't separate it from the world around you so that you justify how you deal with the world in a different way to how you deal with your spiritual practice. Don't treat the world differently to how you treat God. And so the Guru is trying to make us understand that monotheism isn't the, the spiritual practice that the Guru wants you to understand. The Guru wants you to understand that there's oneness everywhere, but its essence is in you. Its essence is in every single thing. And so this now helps us to answer another really important question. Is everything divine or is everything false? Remember in earlier verses of Anand Sahib, the Guru has used this word good. Everything is filthy. Everything is rubbish. Everything is going to be thrown away, is wasted. So which one is it? Is everything the divine or is everything false? And as soon as we ask these kinds of questions, the reason I'm raising these questions is to demonstrate the inherent duality in them. To demonstrate that what we do, what our mind does, is our mind likes to create these binaries. The mind wants to create, it's either left or it's right. It's either up or it's down. Something can either be this way or it can only be that way. It can't be both. But the truth of the matter is life isn't like that. And it's so important in order to understand the Guru's spiritual tradition is to understand that our mind is always trying to create these binaries, always trying to create these dualities. 
these opposites. But the truth is, in life, things are often both. You know, I always have a sweet tooth and I share how I, how I always have this fondness for biscuits and chocolates and cakes. And that's the, that's the way to get to me. If you ever want to give me anything, that's the way to get to me. But let's think about the cake. A cake can be really tasty, but it can also be unhealthy at the same time. It's pleasure and pain both at the same time. And now if somebody was to ask, well, which one is it? Is it good or is it bad? Well, you say it's, it's, it's both. It's tasty, it's good, but it's also unhealthy. It's also bad. Why can't it be both? And there are things that we understand about life which are both. You know, let's look at nature. The wilderness is beautiful, but dangerous at the same time. It's both. And they sit very comfortably with each other. They don't have to be one or the other. They can very easily be both. And so this world can be the divine form, but it can also be a Maya. For one person, the world can be a trap. And for another person, the world can set you free. And where, where is the difference? The difference only lies in our eyes, in our perception, in our way of looking at it. You either have the darkened mind that is not able to see this, that only sees division and separation, that only sees dualities as mine or other, as good or bad, or you have the illuminated mind that is able to see the light everywhere, the light within you and the light all around you. So we have this wisdom that is awakening our minds. And this is exactly what the Guru goes on to say. Gur prasadi bujhya ja vekha har ek hai har bin avr na koi. By Guru's grace, I understand. Then wherever I look, I see oneness. There is no other than Hari. So just as you need light to see the outside world, we need the Guru's light to begin to see the inside world, to begin to understand what is it that is looking at the outside world itself. And this is grace, Gur Parsadi. This is the Guru's grace in order to be able to see the world in this way, in order to be able to see oneness in all its many different forms. There is no other than the Divine itself. Now just think about this line, because the Guru has said it a number of times in this verse. Don't see anything else except Hari. Don't see anything else except this oneness. If you have a spiritual love and a connection for a higher power, realize that this higher power is in absolutely every single thing that your eyes are looking at. And in fact, it is the light within your own eyes that are looking out. Now, when we begin to think like that, then we have to reflect. What about all the people that I don't like? Think about all the rivalries that you've created. Think about all the ones that you have friction with, commotion with. Think about all the things that you've desired. The rivals are the things that you're trying to run away from, but the things that you're running towards, your friendships, your likes, the things that you want more of. Everything has that divine light within it. Every single thing is God itself. Everything that you already have is God. So how can you want more God? How much more God can you want? Everything you have, every breath is God. Every cell in your body is God and everything around you is also God. How much more do you want? What more God would you like to have in your life? And this is this complete remolding that the Guru is doing of our minds. Guru Arjan has a beautiful Shabad and he says, Nako beri nahi begana sagal sangham ko ban aai. 
No one is my enemy and no one is a stranger. I get along with everyone. I have created a friendship with everyone. Now this doesn't mean that everyone is going to be friendly with you. This doesn't mean that there aren't going to be difficult situations in life. There are still going to be difficulties. There are still going to be difficult people. But the thing that changes is your way of looking at them. Now this brings a very big question, which is how do we deal with difficult people? How do we deal with those who have hurt us? And this is really difficult to do because there's so much pain that's been caused by people in our lives. There's so much loss that we've experienced. And when we experience a lot of pain, and when we ruminate over those, when we think about those over a long period of time, that pain and that loss becomes a part of our identity. You identify with the person who has experienced this pain. And as soon as you do that, it becomes really difficult to let go. It becomes really difficult to forgive the other person because if that pain is a part of you, if your understanding of yourself is somebody who has experienced this pain, then it becomes a part of you, your identity. I am this pain. And then you realize that I can't forgive the other person because in order to forgive the other person, I have to give a piece of myself away. This pain is who I am and I like who I am. And so what you do is in order to not let go of a part of you, in order to not lose some part of yourself, you don't forgive that other person because then a part of you has to go. And so we begin to realize that we are holding on to our pain. And we are holding on to this duality of victim and oppressor. I am the victim, they are the oppressor. Don't deal with me. Don't talk about me. Don't talk about my pain. Let's talk about that person. Let's talk about the, the one who is clearly evil. They're evil, I am good. And of course, there are people who have caused us so much grief. There are people who have caused us unimaginable pain. It's very easy to create this barrier with certain people and say they are definitely wrong. I am definitely right. But that's not the point. The point is not about who are we judging as right or wrong. The point is, can you heal? Are you able to overcome your pain? And you need to realize that this duality that you create between victim and oppressor is not helping you. This dualistic relationship is not helping you. Because what you do is, once you create you as the good and them as the bad, all of your focus is on them. Let's deal with them. I'll wait for them to say sorry. I'll wait for them to make amends. And the Guru is saying, we don't know whether the other person is going to change. But we can help you deal with the pain. And in order to deal with the pain, first you need to deal with yourself. This is this unique wisdom of the Guru. The, the unique way in which the Guru tries to, to solve this problem. And the Guru is basically saying, you are part of the problem. You are holding on to the victim. Remember the very beginning of this line. Of this verse, the Guru starts by saying, first recognize the light within you. That's the first step. First recognize the light within you. Recognize your own divine light. You need to see that before you can see it in others. I think about this example of going to the opticians. You know, when you go to the optician and you think he's going to test your eyesight, 
But what's the first thing that the optician does? The first thing the optician does is, is to look into your eyes and to look at the health of your eyes. Before he tries to fix your, your vision, before he tries to apply these corrective lenses, first he's looking at, are your eyes healthy? And the guru is doing the same thing. Before you try and solve the outside problem, first let's look at your own inner health. Let's deal with the root cause of your pain. And the root cause of your pain is this thing called I am. Me, myself. And when we think like that, we realize that the Guru is really going very deep into us. The Guru is going right to the root of the problem. If you want to get rid of this troublesome thing, the Guru is saying we have to go to the root. We can't just trim and prune it from the outside because the trouble is going to grow back. If you want to get rid of it once and for all, we have to cut it at the root. And the root is me. And the Guru asks a really important question. When we ask this question, how do I deal with people who have hurt me? The Guru asks the question, can you deal with yourself first? Can we deal with the victim first? And when we hear things like that, we think, wait, I haven't done anything wrong. Why are we dealing with me? Surely the oppressor, is the one that needs to be dealt with. Surely we need to deal with the person who's done the wrong thing. And this is where we begin to understand that this path isn't easy, but it does eliminate the problem. If you want to totally eliminate the problem, the Guru says we have to go to the root and the root is with you. And it goes against everything we know. This way of dealing with the world is a very different way. And this is why we understand that the Guru's path is such a unique, beautiful tradition because we're trained by society to think about life in a different way. We're trained by society to protect the ego, to protect the I am. And the Guru is saying, let's kill it. Let's get rid of this I am. Let's break the vessel within which the pain lives. Let's break that pot where the pain is living inside. If we get rid of the vessel itself, then pain will have to dissipate. And so the Guru is saying that you have to get rid of this infection that's inside you. And the, the infection is your perception. Cut out the infection before it spreads. Let's get rid of this disease of I am that's inside you. And let's apply the soothing medicine of the Guru's perception. The Guru's way of looking at it. Your way of dealing with life is causing you harm. The Guru gives you a new way of dealing with life. And the new way is to constantly remind yourself, this is you, this is you, this is grace. Everything is oneness, everything is grace. You know, in my own life where I've sometimes had people who have caused me harm or pain, and maybe you try to avoid them, and sometimes it, it, it's, it's unavoidable. Sometimes you see someone who's caused you pain. In my own life, I've actually applied this one particular line which has really helped me. And it's a line by Guru Arjan Dev Ji that says, Sab kich tu hai, tu hai mere pyare, teri kudrat ko bal jaye jiyo. You are everything. You are my beloved. I am a sacrifice to your power. So what I do when I see someone who has caused me pain in the past is I know my mind is straight away going to go and repeat that story. Oh, there's that person. I still remember what they did, but I still can't forgive them for what they did to me. And I realize that I don't want to 
have that thought festering within my mind. So apply the Guru's wisdom and the Guru's words in this particular line is, everything is you. That oneness that I love, the oneness that I pray to, the oneness that I meditate to, there you are, I see you. I see you even in the person who's caused me pain. Everything is you. You are my beloved. I see my beloved in front of me. And I bow down to your power. I bow down to the fact that you have created so much variety. And in all this variety, think about that story of Arjun seeing Krishna. He doesn't just see Krishna as beautiful. He sees Krishna as everything, as even the things that are very harsh and very ferocious, very wild. I can see that you are also in that pain-causing thing. I can see that you are in the person that has caused me pain. But the reason it caused me pain was I didn't see it in myself. And as I apply the Guru's wisdom, I realize, ah, I am part of the problem itself. So I need to remember that I'm looking at you. I'm looking at this creative source. Think about the other words that we've used in an ansaib to show love and affection. We talked about how you are my parent, you're my mother, you're my father, you're my beloved husband that I'm waiting to get married to. Think about all of the, 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 the different analogies of love that the Guru has shown. I can't spend my time meditating on the idea of you, but hating the things that you've created. If you are in everyone, then I need to be able to fall in love with everyone and everything because otherwise I have this dualistic understanding of God. God is someone that I love, but I don't love this person or that person. I can't do that. The Guru is saying, nope. In order to, to break your attachments, in order to completely break every single cause of your suffering, the Guru says you need to completely remold the way that you look at life itself. I can't have hatred for you in one form and have love for you in a different form. That's a duality. So I need to start seeing everything through God's eyes, through these loving eyes of seeing oneness in everything and having love towards all. And let's also understand the person who has caused you pain. We can't deny that because there's so many of you that may be listening to this and saying, yes, but what about the one who caused me pain? What about that person? I understand that I've got work to do with myself. What about them? Remember, through this lens of oneness, we realize that they are also the divine acting out their own way. That divine oneness that does all things. Remember, the oneness does good and bad. Life and death is all oneness. Pleasure and pain is all oneness. Remember that that oneness is acting out the story of that character. That other person is also the oneness. And that person can only act as they've been programmed. They're not able to act in any other way. Remember, if they are causing you pain, then they're also suffering in a way. A person who is suffering can cause suffering to someone else. A person who is peaceful who is in their joy, in their delight, only wants to spread joy. So if they've caused you pain, they're also in pain. Understand that. Understand that. But you can only understand that when you're not seeing them through your victim mentality. You're seeing them through universal eyes itself. So we need to understand that the Guru is referring to our eyes, but really just referring to our mind. Our mind is being spoken to and saying that our perception needs to change. Think about it. Your physical eyes don't have the ability to pass judgment on anyone. Whatever your eyes see 
your eyes are almost just a window and everything that's coming in is then going past the eyes and into the mind. It's, it's being filtered by the mind. It's the mind that needs to change. The filter needs to be cleaned and only then can we have a better way of looking at the world. So the Guru is saying, you should now think about what you're planting within you. Everything that's coming within you, how is your mind filtering that? Are you converting everything into a positive or negative? Are you sowing the seeds of suffering onto the field of the ego? The Guru is saying you no longer should be doing that. If you're suffering right now, think about this. If you are experiencing any suffering right now, and by suffering I don't mean physical pain. By suffering I mean emotional trauma of any kind. Realize that your suffering now is because you have planted the wrong seeds. This is such an important lesson. That's something that every day I'm even learning from. Every day that I go through pain and ups and downs and this emotional roller coaster, when I'm feeling down, I ask myself this question, what seed did I sow? If I'm feeling low right now, what was the seed that I sowed? What was the thing that I thought about previously? What was the way in which I thought about life previously that when it didn't happen the way I wanted it to, then I was left with this. And the key thing that I'm constantly sowing is expectations. I'm constantly sowing expectations onto people around me, onto the world. And this is now going into a very big subject. And there are so many other videos within the Nanak Nam YouTube channel that I, if you're interested in this subject, I, I really implore you to go and have a look at these. There are videos around expectation versus reality, videos around the power of acceptance, because this is a really big subject. But the, the, the summary of it is we need to understand ourselves first. We need to understand that you reap what you sow. If you're experiencing pain right now, that's directly related to something that you did in the past. That's directly related to the seeds that you sowed in the past. You know, in verse 25, we talked about this mental story. We talked about what are the words in your head and change the words that are in your head. Understand this mantra, as I perceive, so I receive. As I think, so I feel. How you feel is directly related to the thoughts that you place in your mind. And if you can change those thoughts, you can change your reality. If you change your perception of life, you will change what you receive in life itself. And if you're interested in this subject, please go, go have a look at some of the other videos because there is so much more that can be unpacked in this. And as the Guru continues, we look at the final line of, of this Anansai verse and the Guru says, Says Nanak, these eyes were blind. Meeting the true Guru, my vision became brighter. Our mindset has been blinded, blinded by duality, blinded by this duality of me and the other. When we think that these are my eyes, then we've created that first step to duality. We've created a me and something else. And when we think like this, when we think that these are mine, then all that we're looking at is darkness. Everything that I can see is darkness because I'm looking at a flawed vision of the world. It's as though I've put the wrong glasses on and everything is looking misty and foggy. Nothing is, is clear. 
What is that fog? What is that mist? That mist is the ego itself, the I am itself. I'm, and I'm looking at the world through my own selfish eyes. I'm looking at everything and thinking, how can I benefit from this person or that person? How can I gain more from this? How can I gain from the things around me? And we've talked about in the previous verses about this idea of, of personal gain. So we're looking at the world through self-interest, through selfish eyes. And selfish eyes are always going to bring temporary pleasures. They're never going to bring long-lasting peace and happiness. So our eyes are living in darkness. This is what the Guru is saying. My eyes were blind. Without the Guru's wisdom shining through them, my mind was in darkness. The oneness thinking is not there. I haven't understood it and I'm living in the world through me thinking. And that is this darkness of this, this self-perspective. And the Guru is saying, and now I've been given the Guru's mat. I had manmat, mind thinking, thinking of this dark mind. And now I have the illuminated mind, the Gurmat. And the Guru is giving us this new way of looking at life that is oneness in all, breaking our duality. We can even call this the opening of the third eye. You have your left eye, your right eye, but the third eye is the eye of wisdom. And that's what the Guru is saying. The Guru's wisdom gives me this dibdrisht, this supreme vision, this highest vision. And when we begin to see that, when we begin to plant that seed, then we will see the true form of everything. Then we will be able to recognize the oneness in all and take out the weeds of suffering and pain from within us. Answer the following questions either by writing them down or answering them in your groups. Think about an event in your life which you first saw as negative but now see differently. How did your new perspective help you to deal with this event? What are some unhelpful ways in which you view the world? What will you do to improve your perception and realize oneness in all? Hi, this is Sapal Singh. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. If you'd like to help us create more spiritual content, then head over to our website nanaknam.org forward slash donate and think about setting up a regular monthly donation. We're a 100% non-profit organization, so all your donations go directly into the charity and help us to create and share Gurmat Spiritual Wisdom. With your support, we're taking Gurmat Global.